Alright, welcome to another episode of the Modern Life Podcast. I am Sam, joined today by Stacy. Hi. And Tabby. Hello. And today, this is our best of 2020 episode. It's just whatever was our favorite things of the year. And um, it's also our three-year anniversary, so we've been doing this for quite a while. Uh, we're getting old. <laughs> Tabby? Yes, so just before we get going, we've been pretty committed to coming out with two episodes per month. We are still going to be around for next year, but I don't foresee us keeping with that schedule. We all have a lot of things going on, and again, this is not a professional podcast. Nobody's getting paid for this, um, but we'll see you definitely next year. We have a few things planned, but it'll just be a little more sporadic. And then before we get into our favorites i just wanted to do an update on just the year in general it's been a bit whack due to covid that's an understatement we had for example our dune episode come out in anticipation for the new film and that's been delayed like a whole year now the new uh the is, new it, is dune it a whole film. year pretty Was much it? yeah hmm. uh, and then the other thing also we had done a podcast on Rebecca, in the past, that new film came out this year, and that did not meet my expectations. It was pretty strange. And then the third thing we were going to revisit was The Boys, which we really enjoyed Ugh. season one. And that second season came out this year, and we didn't even that was watch the awful. whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watched like four episodes of it, and... It was bad. I, I put it down. And then reading <laughs> what happens at the end, I, I'm glad I put it down. It's just nonsense yeah so we will not be coming back to that one like we said we would so like i heard nobody talking about this like when the first season came out I had like a lot of people talking about it mm -hmm. and i've it's like that second season came out and nobody was talking about it which is kind of an indicator yep um but we each chose three modern thoughts three things that entertain us this year and we will just be going through the year, starting off with the 9th of February, uh, and this was Parasite winning four Oscars at the 92nd Academy Awards. And the Oscar goes to... Parasite. It, it kind of represented, like, a historical moment. I also just thought it was cool that the Oscars finally, like, like they're actually coming to the twenty two thousand twenty like the two thousands and like mm -hmm. <laughs> realizing that they're not in the nineteen fifties anymore. Which I haven't watched the Oscars in years. Like I actually watched this one. I was impressed with the fact that it had gone forward a little bit and they were opening their eyes up to like different things. And just that moment when he won the Oscar was pretty fabulous. He was just so cheery and mm -hmm. happy. It was just like such a beautiful moment. And that's it. That's all my spiel. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was... <laughs> oh, my God. And I don't know what's crying? happening right now. <laughs> it was such a big deal for you. Well, I think this year was so disappointing with so many of the nominees being, again, men and white men. And then that shining wow. beacon of light that cut through all that was Parasite. Yeah. And how much that meant for immigrants and also his speech at the end where he was honoring all the other directors. It's like great, but to me, I just do the Oscars. Does that actually still matter? You know what I mean? It seems so like outdated and less and less people are watching it every year. And it's like. This was the first time in a long time where I was like, oh, 
wait, somebody actually won that deserved to win. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I was, trust me, I actually hadn't even seen Parasite by the time the Oscars mm-hmm. came out. I watched it afterwards. Actually, that is the reason I watched it. And I think it also, the theme of the film, which is something we're really struggling with right now, that yeah. disparity of wealth. Uh, yeah, again, great for it to win. Yeah. Alrighty, so the next one, we're moving into March, and Sam chose the Trolls World Tour movie? Yes, okay, controversial choice. Um, <laughs> I actually, So I, I picked that just as a bigger point to make in 2020. I didn't even watch Trolls World Tour, but it is one of my favorite things, and it's very important because we weren't sure what's happening with this pandemic, and the theaters are shut down, and it was the first really high-budget movie to be like, okay, we're going to skip the theaters and go straight to mm. digital. No, now in December, doesn't seem like it, but back, when when did it come out? March. March. Yeah, back in March, that was a really ballsy move, and it pissed the AMC uh, theater chain, which has like this partnership with Universal. It really pissed them off, because they thought they were going to reopen again in a few months, and Mm. they were losing millions of dollars in ticket sales, and obviously that was the right choice by Universal, because theaters, at least around here... Haven't been open for almost yeah. over almost a year, like nine months now. Yeah, and we had to go through nine months of shitty movies because sorry, Gus, <laughs> nine months of shitty movies because they didn't release some of these movies on streaming, which I think it would have been much better year. Right, but my bigger point here is that Universal and Trolls World Tour was the first one to like take that leap. Mm. Which now, fast forward to December, and Warner Brothers has decided to release not only Wonder Woman straight to HBO Max, but their entire 2021 lineup, including (gasps) the Dune movie, which I don't know if you know this. Oh, last time I checked, there was like a whole year. Okay, maybe they changed it. Their entire 2021 catalog, which is going to be the Matrix 4 movie, Wonder Woman 1984, Dune, all these Warner Brothers movies, they're like, we're going to release everything on HBO Max for the first 30 days. And also, it's going to be in the theaters at the same time. But if you read up on this, like, Warner Brothers pissed off Hollywood, like, royally. All these direct, like, Christopher Nolan wrote an op-ed. The Dune director was, like, writing an article, tearing them to shreds. Because from their perspective, not only are these directors, producers, it's all these people getting back-end money. They're not getting that back-end money from ticket sales since it's going straight to digital. And a lot of people are going to be watching it like that. But it's also, they're arguing that it's bad for cinema because, like take Netflix, for example. Netflix pumps out a lot of movies, but nothing in the budget of a movie like a dune or matrix or, or christopher no like yeah. a 200 million dollar movie that's never in the budget so they're like it's bad for movie making blah 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 which i get their point but we also like if you think of COVID as an accelerant movie theaters have been dying for a really mm-hmm. long time and it's just kind of inevitable that we're making this digital switch and i give warner brothers a lot of props for doing this but i don't think this would have been possible without trolls world tour like taking that leap of faith back in margin it worked out for them hmm. and then a few other you know uh, like mulan. the bill and ted movie and props to disney they put mulan, they put yeah. mulan on there but trolls world tour was the first 
really big movie to do it and now we're here in december and it's like becoming a trend yeah and i think some of the smaller budget movies caught on right away because yeah. we did an episode on emma which i saw in the theaters but then right away they were like oh no 20 bucks watch it at home yeah and that's how stacy and i watched it together so yeah i think yeah. yeah, it's a different world when you're talking big uh, which, budget. Which also drives me crazy. Like, Christopher Nolan wrote this huge op-ed after the decision, like, in Vanity Fair or something. And I think one of the... I forget if it's him or was another director. One of their points was, like, you know, cinema... So people don't have to buy a subscription. Cinema, like, having it in the theater makes it available to a greater amount of people and more affordable. I'm like, movie tickets here in L.A. cost 20 bucks a ticket. Yeah. It's not <laughs> affordable. Yeah. <laughs> like, I am all... And that's not the driving there and the parking and yeah. the, the, the food or... If you take the, the AMC down here at the Universal theme park, if you take a family of four plus like snacks plus parking, you're looking at like over $120. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing affordable about it. I, I'm, I'm all for staying at home and watching these movies. And I'm, I'm definitely thinking in 2021, like getting a better sound system in our home and like just kind of embracing this mm. watching these big budget movies at home like i'm all for that trend right on sam you're up next again this was the that's first right. of april that's right it was a youtube video called an impromptu tour of conan's humble home this is not the only youtube video on this list and with everything being shut down like, I'm all about summer blockbusters, and I was sad. You know, all these summer blockbusters mm -hmm. got delayed. Fast Top Gun, Fast yeah. and Furious. I mean, so YouTube in the summer kind of saved. There was so much, like, funny, creative stuff going mm -hmm. on on YouTube, especially from celebrities that were just sitting at home all day. But I really think Conan, Conan just in general, was a huge highlight for me this year because he was just doing his late night show from home, and he just had these really funny videos, and one of them being this impromptu humble tour of his home <laughs> it, I, it, it's not funny if you describe it you just kind of have to watch it but it's this really shitty product he just changes like the background on his zoom screen and is going through his fake home and the way he does it is i think so funny and so genius yeah so he starts off by warning celebrities you know don't show off your big house some people are in a different situation going through this pandemic and then he ends up doing a tour of his house, which includes like two helipads, a falconry. He's like looking uh, for a solarium. Trick point. It's so dumb, but it's really funny when you watch the video. Hello, 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 Jeeves. Jeeves, have you seen my trick coin? I was going to entertain people with my trick coin, 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 coin. But just to like a bigger point, if you look at all the other late night shows, like what they were doing or still doing some of them during this pandemic and their shows from home. I, I watched a lot of clips. I thought it was really kind of boring. And Conan was just out there doing really silly stuff and these little sketches out of his house. And to me, he kind of this year became like breath of fresh air. Like for the longest time, Letterman was like kind of that, that senior figure of these late night comedians and kind of the like almost like the leader of the pack because there's so mm -hmm. many late night guys mm -hmm. now and to me kind of conan phil he's like the oldest one of all these late night guys and he kind of oh is he oh, i gosh. think he is right yeah. i'm pretty sure he's older than kimmel yeah maybe well. cole colbert is fairly old but i think he's older than colbert i could be wrong he's filling that like void and he just kind of 
is at a next level. Like he's doing this really funny podcast. I think his show is great. He does. He's just always funny, and he's so like smart and fast mm-hmm. with his comedy. Mm-hmm. And he's he's just always you know every week we're listening to his podcast or watching a video that he did, and it's just always just lights up your day a little bit. Yeah, I, I, pre- I just, appreciate Conan. I appreciate him too. I, I just like that you can watch his podcast or his, like any of his clips or anything. I love it's watching always his like, podcast. It's always like <laughs> talks about what's going on in the world, but from a perspective of like no politicalness, no nothing. It's just like this light, airy, like, I don't know how to explain it, like kind of takes you out of the presence for a minute, but still like yeah, lets you talk silliness, to important people. It's rarely political. It's just well, kind of... I mean, his poli- we all know what his politics are. He yeah. is Democrat, but what he has said about that before is if I talk about current events most of the time, that stuff is not going to age well. Right. And that's why he removes himself from that because he's like, well, everybody else is already doing that, so I have to find my niche of mm-hmm. like, we're just going to be silly and do really random stuff that no one is expecting. And I think his humor is also very, very self-aware, mm-hmm. like that home tour and what's going on. I think I've seen a lot of people say, like, oh, we're all in this together. Oh, God. Like, yeah, we're in the same storm, but some of us are in the open ocean and some of us are on, like, a yacht, so. (laughs) My least favorite. I remember these, like, ads coming out in April. You know, here's a Snickers commercial. And at the end, they're like, we're all in this together. I'm like, what does this have to do? With Snickers. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just this, like, fake horse. Like, no, we're really not in this together. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> you haven't been on unemployment for six yeah. months. <laughs> I just I just appreciate his silliness and his relentlessness and he's just constantly putting himself out there and constantly putting out mm-hmm. material and it never seems like he's phoning it in. You mm-hmm. know, he's just God bless Cohen. He's an American I think he's a national treasure. <laughs> I really do. I agree. So next up, we're moving into June. This was one of my picks. It's a book called Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. This is a series out of three books, the third one coming out next year. The first one was called um, Get a Life, Chloe Brown. Mm -hmm. It's a romance series, and I think Talia Hibbert, this is now my third piece that I've read by her. I think she's one of the modern, like most amazing comedic writers out there. All her stuff is just so hilarious. I mean, if you're talking about the age of rom-coms, when it comes to books, like she's like the leader. And I really, I really wish some of her books would be made into movies. I'm sure they will. But I don't know. A lot of romance books don't get don't get the film treatment. But besides being really funny, and her books are also really sexy, but Mm-mm. then she also talks about, especially in Take a Hint, Danny Brown, like anxiety issues, people dealing with trauma. She is kind of able to package all that in a way that's really funny and about people building relationships and dealing with each other's issues and what it means to commit to a relationship. Yeah, I just thought it was a really funny, amazing book. But yeah. Nice. So wait, so this was, when is the third one coming out? Uh, Next year. Okay. Yeah. Is that going to be the end of the, is this like a little trilogy? Yeah, you can read, I would say with these kind of romance things where it focuses on a different character, you can read them separately. Mm -hmm. This one especially, you could just dive into, take a hint, Danny Brown. And her books are also incredibly diverse. Which is always nice. nice. Maybe I'll read a book. <laughs> so sounds, funny. Yeah. Like <laughs> That's not going to happen. Hey, I read a book every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, but not a rom-com. <laughs> I like rom-com. I like rom-com movies. 
Well, this one's a fast read, so you can get through it pretty quick. Only um, 50 pages. Next up, <laughs> we're still in June. This came out in the on the 26th of June. A lot of summer stuff. This is one of my picks, and it is uh, Will Ferrell's new documentary, Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. Did you say call it documentary? Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> to me, this was the best movie of the year. Yeah, oh, by agreed, far. Agreed. By far. <laughs> I watched yeah, it. Yeah, this would have made times. all of our lists if yeah. it wasn't for the fact. <laughs> I took it right away. It, it's such a perfect parody. Like, if you were teaching a class on parodies, mm-hmm. this film is it. And that's why I'm calling it a documentary, just to be funny, because I'm like, so much of it is like, oh no, this is really what the Eurovision Song yeah. Contest is like. And I think a lot of American viewers who aren't as familiar with it were kind of introduced to it through yeah. this film. I don't know if this is true, but to me it seems like a movie that you could get into even if you didn't know what the Eurovision mm-hmm. is. Well, I, just... I didn't know what Eurovision yeah, was. There you go. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. And it actually made me go and watch footage of actual Eurovision <laughs> things just because I wanted to understand if it was actually as ridiculous as it was. And it is just as ridiculous. Well, it's so weird because Will Ferrell, like I love Will Ferrell, but he's so hit and miss. Yeah. One movie just will be trash. And yeah. then the next one is just one of the funniest things you've ever seen. And this, like this was the best Will Ferrell movie in a long time. And, like, the songs are so Eurovision. Like, you can see these songs being performed and, like, entered into the song contest. And they're also, like, really good but really funny. Like, so for Rachel McAdams, Mm. they found this incredible, you know, Mm -hmm. singer to do her voice. And it's a really fun song. But then Will Ferrell will just sing, like, in his own voice. And and it's, like, funny again. And it's just this balance of, like... It's really true to life, but then it's also so over the top. I don't know. I thought it was such an amazing film. and It's really funny. It's really hilarious. It has these great <laughs> physical comedy randomness, like... There's a whole segment about the little what are the little elves that live in the house. In Iceland, yeah. Oh, oh my god. god. Yeah. It's endlessly quotable. <laughs> who's who's his dad? Who's the who's the James Bond guy? Pierce Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan is like as charming as ever. <laughs> <laughs> so good. He can wear anything. Yeah. He's really in these good. like knit sweaters. <laughs> like he's wearing fisherman. like a fishing outfit and he's still sexy. <laughs> a bastard. So this next pick came out on the 3rd of July, and this was Sam's pick, Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, baby! So, so good. Hamilton's been out for a while now, and none of us had ever... I mean, good luck getting tickets, you know? None of us had ever seen it, but you hear about it all the time. Especially from our theater daughter. And so when it came out on Disney+, Plus, you know when you hear something's good for so long, and you never see it, and... I don't know. I was I was still almost on the fence. Like it can't be like that good because people are just like, oh my god, it's like the greatest thing ever for years and years. I'm like, I'm sure it's good, but it can't be like that good. And we started watching it, and it really is that good. It's like <laughs> amazing. It like blew me away. How I don't even know where to start, and just how they how they filmed. I mean, because they filmed a live, mm-hmm, you know, they, they filmed mm-hmm. yeah, they filmed a live performance, and it's just. Because sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't, I feel like. These live Broadway show shoots. But it's just, it's so good. And just the songs and the lighting. And I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda can't really sing that well. But he just works as the Mm -hmm. Hamilton character. Because he's just so damn charming. And just reading up on 
I mean, that like one person wrote this whole show is still mind blowing to me. I mean, he. I well, mean, he had a partner. He had a partner help him with yeah. the music, but like he pretty much wrote all the lyrics and the entire play by himself besides the music it's just it's just so good i just um, think it was like quite brilliant how like they made it modern but they're talking about mm-hmm. something that's like a historical thing mm-hmm. and just like the songs are so relevant like my daughter like plays the songs at least three times a week where she's just listening to, i mean she's still listening <laughs> she's still listening to the songs like that's how how much she loves it you know and she i mean it just it's, yeah and it's just so strange that you're like What's popular with the kids now? American yeah. history musical? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> well, my daughter's kind of special. It's in all that about way. the way how it's presented, yeah. right? Yeah, it's incredible. But it's so weird to me because now seeing that, I would still want to see it in person. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But these, these musicals, they're ne- these Broadway shows, they're so rarely filmed, which I don't understand. And I think there's this fear that, oh, if we record this and put it on Netflix, no one's going to come mm-hmm. to see the live show. And I'm like, no, I want to see it more now yeah. that I see mm-hmm. Because if it's this good on a TV, I want to see it like in 3D in person. It got even better half an hour in once we realized the cat shoot through one of the cables and the sound oh quality. God, yes. was- it's like, the sound's really <laughs> off. It's so crackly. <laughs> I forgot about that. (laughs) I think also something I noticed with this musical, and I'm not a musical person, I will not notice themes and whatever it's called, like melodies. Usually musicals will have a reprise later on where it's Mm -hmm. the same song or melody done over Mm -hmm. and over again. I've never seen that done to a level this sophisticated in Hamilton. This is going to be a spoiler, just I'm using as an example. Oh, it's like a few years old. Now. Yeah. The, <laughs> the the dueling song, for example, the one, two, three, mm-hmm. four, five, six, seven, it, it's foreshadowing for death. And then later on when the son is introduced and the mom is teaching him how to use the piano, how to play the piano mm-hmm. and how to learn French, yeah. they go... It's the same melody foreshadowing that the son is going to like pass away later on. And to weave that into the story Mm -hmm. musically, I have not seen that done to this level. And speaking of the new movies doing In the Heights. Yeah, that was delayed too. I know, but I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that's a Warner Brothers movie that's going to be also on HBO Max later this year. Yeah, I've been listening to it. Looking Um, forward to that. Yes. It's going to be great. I'm a fan of, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda can do no wrong. No. (laughs) Not so far. (laughs) Because now that he was successful is one thing, he gets to do so much stuff. Moana, Mary Poppins. Fantastic. Yeah. So the next pick came out on the 10th of July, and it is Palm Springs. I chose this one. This was a film that came out on Hulu. Um, And again, there's a lot of talk nowadays about how rom-coms are really dead. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was one of the films that took it back in a really clever way. It's so random, too, because I'm like, Hulu doesn't really put out like their own movies, usually. It's like, okay, Andy Samberg, Hulu, okay. It was... So many parts of it were so genuinely funny, and there was Mm -hmm. so much chemistry between the two leads, and just that whole new twist kind of on the Groundhog Day premise, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I absolutely loved it. I also loved that the solution wasn't like, oh, you had to be a better person, or you had to learn something. The solution was like... Somebody just figuring out science. Right. I thought that was funny. Like it, <laughs> it was a really good time. That was like when we we're all stuck at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and there wasn't, like I said, there wasn't much that came out this year that was like so 
movie wise, like all yeah, the you, great you picks. struggle to make oh your list. Oh my god, I really <laughs> struggled this year, this time. And I think it was also because I'm usually I usually choose things based on movies and like Well, we're also so far behind. Like we will watch stuff that's like two years old. Yeah, that's also So we true. had to pick stuff that came out in two thousand twenty and we're like <laughs> I'm always a couple years behind. <laughs> like didn't, didn't like watch a lot of stuff from this year. Um, so the next one is Stacy's pick. Came out in July. Also, it is Jack Black's COVID PSA message about wearing a mask. YouTube. Okay, I just thought it was really clever for. Okay, so Jack Black basically comes out in a what are those things called? Speedo. Speedo. <laughs> and a cape. Speedo, Speedo a, cape. a cape and goggles. And he's talking about wearing a mask. I thought it was so brilliant that they took somebody who's so loved and they like used him to try and encourage people because there's like this whole politicizing about um, mask wearing and it was like this moment of like trying to encourage people to wear masks and make it funny and he just he did it so brilliantly and I thought it was smart that they actually used somebody that was that loved and that he would do it Wait, who's I don't know. they did someone like commission them to do this or was yeah this, I think like, it was California like, oh I think it was okay. Gavin I Newsom's sure plan he did he thing. did there was Jack Black. There was like a couple other the people. Paul Rudd. Paul, Paul Rudd is uh, that was another oh, one was that a Sarah I Sarah Silverman one too. Yeah, right? there's like yeah. a couple that are just really funny, and I thought it was a really smart. I wish it would have been done more on a national level. Anyway, I just thought it would have been nice to see more of those, and mm -hmm. I thought it was great that they were out there. And you know it was what makes funny it so funny to me is because he has he's using like a really high quality camera. You yeah, can tell. <laughs> it's when something is really ridiculous but really high quality. There's something really funny about it because he slow-mo dives in the pool and you can tell it's it's like an actually really high quality slow motion camera. <laughs> he's just like slowly flying through the air. I just think it's funny that his entire face is like this big giant beard. burly beard and then he has no hair on the rest of his body. Yeah. It's like uh I don't know if that works for me. <laughs> also national treasure. National treasure. Love that man. Uh, and I, I found out today he's actually like one of the most loved gamer He's like a huge YouTube yeah, like huge he decided gamer. to do a YouTube channel like a year or two ago and like yeah, he's like super active on Interesting. Yeah, like the kids love him. So it was just, it's inspiring because it was just, was relatable to all mm -hmm. levels, regardless of political background or anything along those lines. But he, he took a stance here. Um, so we're already on our last one. This one came out in October and this is Stacy's pick. We're going through the year here and it was the movie Holiday. Okay, so like I said, I struggled to find my list this year because one, I'm way behind on all the famous movies that are coming out this year. There was a lot of independent movies that I have yet to see. Regardless, we had just watched one bad holiday movie after the next. Mm. Um, Listen to the last podcast. Yes. Anyway, so one bad holiday movie after the next, and I was feeling just kind of down about holiday movies in general. I just wanted something light and airy, and then I watched this movie. And it's not by far not the best movie ever written. It's raunchy. The ending's a little weird, but I laughed through the entire thing. And it was relatable also to me because I tend to, to not be the stereotypical female in any way. Like raunchy humor is something that I, I think is hilarious. So it worked for me very well. And I also liked that it was just like kind of playing around the whole idea that your world doesn't have to rotate around being with someone or finding someone. It was just kind of, I don't know. It was funny and I liked it and it made me like holiday movies again. And yeah, my, I only, my only issue with it was the, the ending, the big public gesture ending for some reason did not fit in this film, I thought. Mm -hmm. But I actually wanted to say something about the humor and Stacey already brought it up. 
you never see this in holiday movies or honestly a lot of rom-coms that the humor is just kind of out there like you said raunchy they're saying a lot of stuff that's like maybe rated r and it was so surprising to me and i always got a laugh out of mm. me because it was really clever banter at the same time Okay, so, you know, I've watched every rom-com you could ever think of. And the first movie that did this for me in a female perspective of, like, taking that dirty humor that they usually give guys mm -hmm. and putting it in a female perspective was the sweetest thing. And it did the same thing. It had, like, this raunchy and it talked, like, girls talking with each other and being a little bit more realistic in the sense of, like, how I would talk to my friend. Mm -hmm. And this movie did it again. And I thought it was very refreshing because it's, like, so... To be politically incorrect these days is is not as common in movies so the fact that they put these raunchy comments out there and like i don't know it was just hmm. it was hilarious i enjoyed I it i don't think that the movie was politically incorrect but it just it just went against that like hallmark sanitized bleach that's that's kind of what i was like, talking about yeah. like it, it, i don't know i read a couple articles where they were talking about how inappropriate the movie was and just yeah it's and i was just like no, it's funny. It's okay. Like people talk like this. Yeah. It's not a big deal. And then the chemistry between the two leads was really they were great. Cute. There was yeah. so there was so like the bantering was so natural. I like that it played up different holidays rather than the traditional like Christmas meet meet cute or mm -hmm. yeah they go know, through pretty much all the all holidays. the holidays and they're they're hilarious yeah. um, especially the ones that are a little bit more offbeat like St. St. Patrick's Day and wait they did there one was some for weird like one. Cinco de Mayo I think they did or, Day or something really yeah. <laughs> some really strange ones yeah um, so that I was think my... that's why a lot of people didn't get bad moms either because I'm like no it's funny because oh I mom... love bad moms <laughs> it's like real moms I don't know. <laughs> I just think that there's like a darker side to things sometimes and I like it when they take it and make it funny. Yeah. And there's like always that side on a ho like holidays where it's like if you're the single person at the table like there's this awkwardness or when you're like don't have a traditional relationship and like I don't know it just it it kind of highlighted the other side for once and I thought it was refreshing and I thought it was hilarious and yeah that was my I also thought, um, what's her name? Christina Chenoweth, who's in the, who plays the aunt. Oh, in she's film. amazing. I thought she was so funny and cute in that film. And I, and I loved her with the doctor and I'm sorry, there's probably a spoiler. I probably should have said that. No, um, it's okay. <laughs> uh, just, just the not stereotypical relationship working out and like, just, I don't know. Yeah, it was fun. It was just, it was, it's a great movie. I loved it. It wasn't like the, mo like Oscar winning, but it was, um. Mm -hmm. It was, a good it was time. what I needed. It was yeah. the good, yeah. stupid fun that you wanted. Yeah, it was yeah, the good, yeah, yeah. stupid holiday fun that I it's wanted okay. to watch that we tried to watch in three different movies. And yeah, that's that's my... Three or two different two different movies. Yeah, I think I watched a couple more than Still have to watch Jingle Jangle. <laughs> Still have to watch Jingle Jangle. But the, I think we went through the list now. That's it. Any honorable mentions? Because I have one. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, go uh, ahead. I, yeah. just, I just want to say it was a really big year for music because yeah. all these musicians are stuck at home, but especially a good year for old man dad rock. Yeah. Like Bruce Springsteen came out. Phenomenal. I'm not a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, but his last couple albums are actually, I really enjoy. ACDC came out with an album, which again. Really? I yeah. did not know that. Oh, man. Which I'm like. You know, ACDC always sort of sounds kind of the same. Mm -hmm. But they can still rock, the man. the album they came out with... It, dude, these guys are so old. And the <laughs> album they came out with, like, kicks 
ass. Yeah. And yeah. these guys are like in their late, I don't late sixties. I'm sure uh, one of them's in their seventies, and they sound like fantastic. Yeah, and, and Chris and that, Stapleton came out with yeah. a new album, and that was phenomenal. Like it just all across the board. Some of these older guys mm. that are just kind of stuck at home, like really got their creative juices flowing and. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like what else are you gonna? You can't tour. You're just yeah. at home making music. I mean, yes. Yeah, so, well, I think I think that may be why though. Like if you think about it, they have so many songs to backlog. When they're out on tour, they're like just singing their old songs because that's what people wanted to hear. But when you're stuck at home and you can't sing your old songs, like you gotta, you end up getting a little well, more. Bruce Springsteen's been coming out with new albums for a while though. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying just really... oh, these people have had more time to like. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, but she came out with two albums, which is like impressive to do two albums in a year. But Lady Gaga came out with her album yeah, like, this year. Yeah, like literally really everyone came out with an album yeah. this year. Because <laughs> sometimes it's like two, maybe sometimes three years between albums. And every even if you did an album last year, it's like, okay, we're sitting around at home. Let's make an album. So big year for music. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> Read us out, Tabby. Come on. All righty. We are the Modern Life Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Modern Life Pod, on our website, modernlifepodcast.com. Email us, modernlifepod at gmail.com, and we'll still be around next year, just a little bit less regular. Bye. Have a happy, better 2021. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's the 10 dual it's a ten dual commandment. Number one, the challenge demands satisfaction. If they apologize, no need for further action. Number two, if they don't grab a friend, that's your second. The lieutenant, when there's reckoning to be reckoned. Number three, have your seconds meet face to face. Negotiate a beat. Or negotiate a comment.